ओम पार्थय प्रतिबोधिता भगवता नारायण स्वयं व्यासेन ग्रथितां मध्ये महाभारतम् अद्वैतावृतवर्षिणीं भगवतीं अष्टादशाध्यायिनीं अम्बत्वामनुसंदधामि भगवत् गीते भवद्वेषिणीं यम् ब्रह्मावरुणेन्द्ररुद्रमरुदः तुन्वन्ति दिव्यैस्तवैहि वेदैस्सांगपदक्रमोपनिषदैहि गायन्ति यम् सामगाह ध्यानावस्थिततद्गतेन मनसा पश्यन्ति योगिनः यस्यान्तन्न विदुस्सुरासुरगणाः రాగద్వేషవియుక్తైస్తు విషయానింద్రియైశ్చరన్ ఆత్మవశ్యేరుధేయాత్మ ప్రసాదం అధిగచ్చతి దిస్ పర్సన్ టైన్స్ ప్రసాదం ప్రసాదం మీన్స్ ప్రసాద ప్రసన్నత వన్ డిస్కవర్స్ దట్ ప్రసన్నత దట్ ది జాయ్ ఆర్ ది హ్యాపీనెస్ విత్ హిన్ వెన్ రాగద్వేషవియుక్తై విషయై ఇంద్రియై విషయాంచరన్ వెన్ వన్ కాంటాక్ట్స్ ది సెన్స్ ఆబ్జెక్ట్స్ విత్ ది సెన్స్ ఆర్గన్స్ which are devoid of raga and dvesha devoid of attachment and aversion this we discussed at great length in the last session as to how earlier it was said how when a person dwells upon the sense objects that how the uh, attachment arises and then the desire arises and anger arises and how there is whole ladder of fall merely by dwelling upon the sense objects but there should be one qualification added there when one dwells upon the sense objects with the mind which is under the spell of raga and dvesha the mind in which there is this likes and dislikes with that mind when we dwell upon the sense objects then alone that dwelling will result into a liking and a desire and a craving and anger in all the subsequent uh, calamities however when the mind is free from this raga and dvesha attachment and aversion then even when you contact the sense objects they are not going to create any impressions on you because you need something within yourself for the the objects to create an impact and that is this layer of likes and dislikes like a pitch like a like a paper when it has the coating of a chemical and then that's what we call the photographic film and when that is that is uh, there in a the camera and then when you expose well the outside objects can create impressions upon that paper because there is a coating of the chemicals but suppose in a camera you feel just plain paper i mean you can click any number of times and expose it to the outside objects they will not have any impression at all so for the impressions to be created two things are required outside objects are also required as well as something with the paper also is required and similarly also before the objects can create the damage the contact it's the likes and dislikes on our mind are also they also play a very important role and therefore it is not that we have to get rid of the objects 
Really what we have to get rid of is Raga and Dvesha, the likes and dislikes. That is really Vairagya. Vairagya or dispassion is not really uh, creating merely a distance with the world or with the sense objects. It is called Vairagya. Vairagya meaning Viragasya Bhavaha Vairagyam. The state of mind which is devoid of Raga or attachment. And by Raga also is to be included Dvesha. So a state of mind which is devoid of this Raga and Dvesha. Attachment and aversion that is called Vairagya. And with that mind even if you contact the, the objects there is no problem at all. That will be really healthy contact or an objective contact. <coughs> then those sense organs are Atmavasyahi. Sense organs which are not under the spell of likes and dislikes, they are Atmavasyahi. They are within the control of the self. Vidhayatma and the mind also is at one's disposal, meaning one also has a mastery over the mind. Because it is likes and dislikes which alone create distractions in the mind which alone make the mind extrovert, they take them or drag the mind towards the objects. And when these likes, dislikes are not there, mind also is quiet, it is within one's control, sense organs are also within one's control. Prasadam adhigachadi, such a person attains prasadam, meaning prasannata. He attains a self-sufficiency, discovers a sufficiency or happiness from within oneself. That goes to show that what is it that really is an obstacle to, to experiencing the happiness of my own self? This likes and dislikes, that they are the only obstacles really. That as a stifle, that natural happiness is stifled by the likes and dislikes. And as the obstacle of likes and dislikes goes to that extent, one discovers a happiness which is natural or uncreated. So a person like that doesn't have to make any effort to be happy because he discovers happiness which is which is the nature of the self. And therefore it was said, Prasade Saradukhanam Hanihi Asyo Pajayade Prasanna Chetaso Shashu Buddhi Pariyavatishthade When there is Prasada, meaning Prasannada of the mind, when the mind is happy or content naturally, because of obstacle in the form of likes and dislikes not being there, that happiness which is natural to the self then manifests in the heart. And that is a mind which can be an abiding mind. And that mind alone, buddhi pariyavatishthade, that knowledge also becomes abiding. So the mind which is free of likes and dislikes, meaning a pure mind, that becomes an abiding mind, that becomes an objective mind, it is that mind alone which can apply itself to the pursuit of knowledge, which can study the scriptures, listen to the teacher and understand what the scriptures say. And such a mind alone can gain the knowledge in that mind alone the knowledge can be abiding. Buddhi pariyavatishthade. That buddhi meaning the knowledge. You know, the mind also becomes abiding. And then it dwells, it becomes what we call atmanistham, centered upon the self. <coughs> and sarvadukhanam hanihi upajayate. Ultimately, with the wisdom, one becomes totally free from all the dukkha or all the suffering. Because suffering is a product of ignorance. Pain, of course, is, is a fact of life. But grief, sadness or suffering is something that is created by ignorance. It's created only because of taking myself to be what I am not. And that alone is the primary cause of all the suffering, all the sadness. And that goes away for this wise man. 
the first step is prasadaha meaning prasannata the cheerfulness happiness of the mind which comes as a result of freedom from raga and dvesha attachments and aversions now in the next verse verse 66 sayam prasannata stuyate is very prasannata or this pleasantness of the mind this clarity of the mind prasannata as we say means clarity when the water is when you remove all the dirt from the water then water becomes clear in a lake for example where the water is without any dirt and when there is no disturbance on the surface of the lake how the water very clearly reflects my face or reflects anything and so also when the mind becomes devoid of this dirt of likes and dislikes and becomes free from the distraction that mind also becomes like the surface of the water which very clearly reflects the self and self which is of the nature of happiness gets clearly reflected in such a mind and that is how we experience a happiness which is uncreated which has no cause in terms of contact with the sense objects but which is natural to the self and therefore this prasannata this clarity of the mind is extremely important one must strive to gain that clarity of the mind mind is unclear as we said only on account of this impact of likes and dislikes and therefore one must strive to make the mind free from his attachments and aversions as we said they were added again from ignorance not knowing the true nature of the self one imposes happiness where it is not one imposes unhappiness again where it is not and where the mind imposes happiness there is a natural attraction for that whereas where the mind imposes unhappiness there is natural aversion for that so when the attachment and aversion that a given mind has are also created on account of what we call superimposition it is called shobhana abhyasa in sanskrit shobhanam means sarmaniyatvam i see beauty or pleasantness somewhere or i see the opposite of somewhere else and that is how likes and dislikes or attachments and aversions are created this also we should understand that yes we do find attachments and aversions within ourselves but they are the products of superimposition of the mind mind itself superimposes the value upon the thing and then wants it and mind itself brands something as as bad and then wants to get rid of it <coughs> in such a mind is not an objective mind meaning it doesn't see the things as they are therefore the clarity of the mind is extremely important and therefore lord krishna in the verse 66 sayam prasannata stuyate that clarity of the mind is praised or extolled in the verse 66 nasti buddhiyuktasya nachayuktasya bhavana nacha bhavayata shantihi ashantasya kutasukham nasti buddhihi ayuktasya ayuktasya the one who doesn't is not yukta so yukta means one is not a yogi asamahitantah karanasya what is antahkaranam or the mind is not samahitam meaning one who does not enjoy a mind which is abiding <coughs> so ayuktasya the person who does not enjoy an abiding mind person who does not enjoy a clear mind one whose mind is muddled with attachments and aversions one whose mind is distracted because of that natural restlessness of the mind so for such a mind ayuktasya buddhi nasti 
there cannot be buddhi meaning there cannot be knowledge in the mind which is doesn't have the clarity and which doesn't have a focus so we require clarity as well as focus we require freedom from these impurities and likes and dislikes stand for all the negative uh, tendencies of the mind because kama krodha lobha moha that kama means a passion or a strong desire itself creates krodha the anger itself creates lobha the greed itself creates moha the delusion itself creates mada the pride mastery the envy so pride envy jealousy greed delusion all of these are ultimately products of only raga and dvesha so these are the secondary products so when we say the mind should become free from raga and dvesha or likes and dislikes it means that mind will become free also from these other products of them namely pride envy jealousy greed so when the mind becomes free from that then alone knowledge is possible because what is knowledge knowledge is seeing the things as they are that's all the nature of the thing is unfolded by upanishad by the scriptures and with with the help of the unfoldment of the scriptures all we have to do is to see the things as they are see the self as it is see the world as it is or see god as it is <coughs> and that cannot happen if the mind as we say is not objective when I mean, the mind itself is has a distorted perception the perception being distorted on account of these angularities on account of these impurities in general as they are called likes dislikes greed passion etc tell what is said here nasti buddhi ayuktasya for the one who does not enjoy a an abiding mind one who does not enjoy a focused mind meaning one who does not enjoy that pure and single pointed mind buddhi nasti atma swarupa vishaya buddhi nasti that buddhi meaning the knowledge of the nature of atma swarupa knowledge of self cannot take place in the mind perhaps in that mind other kinds of knowledge can take place it is not necessary that the mind should be devoid of likes and dislikes to know mathematics or physics although to know that also we require a mind which is focused and mind that is committed to that pursuit of knowledge however pursuit of other forms of knowledge what we call objective sciences does not require a mind which is devoid of anger or something <coughs> a person can be an angry person a greedy person and still he can be a good scientist because anger greed etc do not come in the way of his understanding of the objects however all of these things come in the way of understanding of the self because it is this thing which alone make me superimpose upon myself various notions and therefore it is necessary for the knowledge of self that the mind must be clear of all the impurities so atma suvisha for the one who does not enjoy that mind this knowledge of self cannot take place <coughs> why is so how come knowledge of self cannot take place in the mind that is not clear and not single pointed because nacha ayuktasya bhavana again ayuktasya meaning again the person who doesn't enjoy that kind of a mind which is pure or single pointed 
भावना नास्ति वन डज नो भावना भावना मीन्स अभिनिवेश मीन कमिटमेंट सो वन विल नॉट हैव अ कमिटमेंट टू दिस नॉलेज इन ऑर्डर फॉर द नॉलेज ऑफ द सेल्फ टू टेक प्लेस इट इज नेसेसरी टू हैव अ कमिटमेंट कमिटमेंट वॉट टू कॉल श्रवणम मननम निधिध्यासनम इन इन ऑर्डर फॉर मी इट्स नॉट ईजी for me the whole all the time to really be focused upon the pursuit of this knowledge itself either listening or reflecting upon it or meditating on it you know or anything that is only related is it possible for a person to be completely devoted to this is very difficult today we find it very difficult i mean i can perhaps spend one or two hours or, you know some time after this and then i need some distraction i need to go out i need to take walks i need to watch something and what not because that steadiness of the mind is not the mind gets just bored tired exhausted needs change so bhavana the total commitment which is required for the pursuit of knowledge cannot be there as long as mind is not free from these distractions mind is not free from attachments and aversions it is not possible to um, for that mind to commit itself single pointedly to this pursuit sometimes it is in mood well fine then i can study gita or upanishad but otherwise i need other things so the bhavana bhavana is abhinivesh hai an earnest longing as you might call it it requires a longing of the mind for the knowledge and that mind alone will have no other priorities at all the only priority that this person has is pursuit of knowledge because the desire to know is so strong because one has discovered the only thing that is lacking in life is knowledge that whatever uh, suffering or pain or whatever a person has been feeling all the problems are only products of ignorance and that knowledge is all that i want when that firm commitment is there then alone it is possible for oneself to pursue this at the exclusion of all other pursuits that is called abhinivesh hai commitment an earnest longing <coughs> that cannot be if the mind is not pure obviously if the mind is different passions and attachments it will want those things and how long can we keep those things away for a period of time again they will register their need and will make me run after them as i said earlier yatatokhya pikaunte purushasya vipaschita hai इंद्रियाणी प्रमाणी हरंती प्रसभम मन है इवन पर्सन हु इज विवेकी हु इज हु हैज दिस नॉलेज एंड हु अंडरस्टैंड थिंग्स एंड हु इज सिंसियर ऑल्सो एंड हु इज ट्राइविंग ऑल्सो अगेन एंड अगेन मेकिंग द माइंड सी द डिफेक्ट इन्वॉल्व इन द सेंस परस इन सेंस प्लेजर्स आई मेक द माइंड अगेन एंड अगेन सी एंड इवन दैन एज लॉन्ग एज द रसा लॉन्गिंग इज दैर so long that very longing which is there in my mind that raga dvesha they drag my mind into those things they pull the mind away from what it is doing and drag it and i mean pull it away and then ultimately drag it into the various objects so i may be seated here all right but my mind may be wandering some place else because of that that longing so raga and dvesha it is rasavarjam विषया विनिवर्तंते निराहारेहिनसवर्जम दट आई कैन क्रिएट ए डिस्टेंस बिटवीन माइ सेल्फ इन द सेंस ऑब्जेक्ट्स आई कैन क्रिएट ए फिजिकल डिस्टेंस आई कैन एक्सटेन फ्रॉम 
enjoyment of the sense objects by my will. But the rasa or the longing for the sense objects does not go. And that is that longing which becomes a distraction whenever I try to try to focus my mind on something which requires a total focus or attention. So he said, Nachayuktasya bhavana, that bhavana meaning abhinivesha, that, that total commitment, that earnest longing cannot be if the mind is not essentially devoid of dislikes and dislikes, is not essentially clear. That mind must be essentially clear and single-pointed for it to have a longing. And then I will do anything. Then alone I can apply myself to shravanam, mananam, nididhyasaram. Meaning listening, reflection, meditation which are considered to be the main means of pursuit of knowledge. Nachayuktasya bhavana, nachabhavayata shantihi. And when that bhavana is not there, then bhavana also means knowledge. Unless one has the knowledge of self, na shantihi, one cannot have shanti or peace. Unless I have the knowledge of self, that is of the nature of happiness, I cannot be happy. The happiness that I can have perhaps can be from the sense objects, all right. But the real happiness that I am seeking, I cannot have. shantihi, atma akurvatah, shantihi navidyate. For the one who doesn't have that commitment or the longing for the knowledge of self, shantihi upashamaha navidyate, the mind cannot be quiet, mind cannot be content, and so mind is still restless, still running after things. Ashantasya kutasukham. And when the mind is restless, when the mind is not quiet, ashantasya kutasukham, for such a person, how can there be happiness? Happiness cannot be for a person who does not enjoy a peace of mind. Shanti. Shanti means shamaha. Shamaha means an abiding mind. A mind or what was shamaha? Ichcharahityam. That was shamaha. Shamaha is a mind which is devoid of ichcha. Or ichcha means desire. Which again means raga and dvesha. So mind that is devoid of likes and dislikes, that alone can be happy mind. As long as likes and dislikes are there, they will drag me into sadness. Because when I am when I am attached to something, I want that thing. Absence of that thing creates sadness in me. And when I have aversion for something, I just want to get rid of that. Again, presence of that thing creates sadness in me. So this Raga and Dvesha keep my mind out of focus and also create all kinds of conflicts within. How can there be happiness for a person who does not enjoy that frame of mind which is characterized by shamaha, shanti, clarity, purity? <coughs> Somebody said that why do you say that one cannot be happy if one doesn't have this kind of a mind? You can be happy if you have desirable sense objects around yourself. Isn't it that one or the shamaha that that abidance in abiding mind. Then Shankaracharya explains here, Indriyami vishaya shiva trushnatah nivrutthi ya tat sukham vishaya vishaya trushna. So examining or analyzing the nature of happiness that we gain, when does a person feel happy? So trushnatah nivrutthi ya, when the mind becomes free, 
from trishna or the craving. It is that when one experiencing experiences happiness. I cannot experience happiness as long as there is trishna or craving in my mind. That is called ashantam manha. The mind which is ashantam does not enjoy that peace. The mind which is some kind of craving, desires, that cannot enjoy, cannot be at peace with itself. Because that object of desire always pulls it away towards itself. So when do I feel happy? When that craving or strong desire is satisfied. So when I get something which I had been badly wanting, which I was craving for, when I get that object and experience that, at that time I experience happiness. Where does that happiness come from? Does the happiness come from the object? Is it because I did not have the object, so I was unhappy, and now that I have object, therefore I am happy, and so does the happiness come from the object? It looks like, but not really. It is not that I was unhappy because the object was not there. I was unhappy because there was that craving in my mind. Mine was not at peace with itself. The object comes, that craving momentarily goes away. And therefore, mind becomes free from that craving or a desire. And therefore, now is at peace with itself. So the analysis here is, the Vedantic analysis is what gives me happiness when my mind becomes free from desire or craving. Then alone it becomes shantam, meaning it becomes quiet. It is at home with itself. Whenever the mind is demanding, Whenever the mind is projecting, it is not at peace with itself, not at home with itself. And therefore it cannot be happy regardless of what it has. It can be surrounded by any number of objects. But when there is this projection and demanding within my mind, I cannot be happy. And even if there is nothing around me, if my mind is not demanding, not projecting, at peace with itself, I find myself happy without the necessity of anything around me. Now this is something that one has to actually observe and discover it for oneself. That it is the trishna rahityam. It is the freedom from trishna or freedom from craving that really makes me happy. The happiness is freedom. Freedom and happiness are one. Freedom from what? Freedom from this trishna. And what is the bondage therefore? What kind of bondage a person or man experience, man suffers from the bondage only of that Trishna. That's what was said in the very first verse in this section. Prajahati yada kaman sarvan pasamanogatan atmaniva atmana tushta siddha prajnistha So when one becomes totally free from this craving which is there in the mind and therefore it is Trishna nivruddhi, a freedom from the craving that really makes the mind happy. Or it is that karma or the craving that actually stifles the happiness which is naturally there in the mind. It is like the pool of water. If you throw pebbles in that, then you create waves in that. Suppose you don't disturb that water at all, it will be naturally quiet. And similarly also, if you don't disturb the pool of our mind, it will be naturally quiet. But you know what we do? We keep throwing pebbles. What pebbles? Of different desires. Likes, dislikes. And you throw these pebbles in the mind, the mind becomes agitated. We feel restless. And then I want to become, I want to be at rest. And therefore what I do is, I satisfy that desire. 
and the mind becomes free from desire, momentarily it becomes, it is at rest with itself, feels happy. You throw on the pebble of another desire, becomes restless, agitated again. Do something else, get something else, again to make it free from that agitation. And thus the process goes on. But if you don't agitate the mind, if you don't throw the pebbles of dislikes and dislikes or the cravings, then the mind will naturally remain present because it is the nature of mind. See, Tattva Bodha we studied, what is it that the mind is made from? Mind is made up of Sattva. All the three gunas, Sattva, Rajas and Tamas, from the Sattva aspect of all the five elements, the mind is made. And the mind is naturally Sattvic. The Rajas and Tamas, Rajas means the agitation activity. Tamas meaning dullness. This impurity is something that is added to the mind. That's the reason why they are asking us to remove them, then the mind becomes sattvic as original. And then it is happy. Ashandasya kutasukham. Na trishnayam satyam sukhasya gandhamatram utpadyade ityartaha. Dukham evahisa. And what is dukham? Trishna itself is dukham. That craving itself is dukham. And freedom from craving is sukham. Na trishnayam satyam. As long as this trishna is there, the craving is there in the mind. Sukhasya gandhamatram utpadyade. There cannot be even an iota of happiness, Shankaracharya says, as long as there is this craving in the mind. <coughs> and therefore, so much emphasis on making the mind free from the hold of likes and dislikes, making the mind free, and we say pratipaksha bhavana. Whenever any of these disturbing thoughts arises in the mind, then how to deal with it? By what we call pratipaksha bhavana by replacing there the opposite standpoint. Thus, if a desire arises in my mind, all right. I make the mind see what is it that it desires and what does it expect the object to give. And thus the object really contains the happiness. And thus I make the mind see that really what it desires is not to come from outside, has to come from within. And when the mind understands, then it drops the desire. If there is anger, Again, if there is greed, if there is pride, if there is resentment, if there is jealousy, as these things do arise, somebody says, Swamiji, how, what can you do about these thoughts? The thoughts arise by themselves. We have no control over the thoughts. I don't know what will be the next thought in my mind. Suppose a thought of jealousy arises, what can I do? You can't do anything when the thought arises. What we can do is after the thought arises. Generally speaking, when a thought arises in passing, it doesn't create any damage, it comes and goes. But when the thought builds up, when the same thought repeats itself, then it becomes, gathers momentum like a storm, and then it can shatter. <coughs> so, when the thought is building up, that is when we address the mind and replace that, the opposite standpoint, and that's how diffuse that thought. This is called Pratipaksha Bhavana. And this is how one has to constantly strive to make the mind clear. This value also is called shaucham, cleanliness of the mind. Shaucham. Shaucham means cleanliness or purity of the mind. Internal purity. As impurity arises, like like detergent, you keep on cleaning it. Just as you clean your, wash your clothes with detergent. So constantly wash the mind with the detergent of Pratipaksha Bhavana. <coughs> and thus, in these verses, the praise or extolling what you call 
प्रसाद है और नीड क्लैरिटी ऑफ द माइंड फोर्स रिक्वायरमेंट आयुक्त से कस्मात बुद्धि नास्ति हाउ कम दन इज आयुक्त मीनिंग वन हु डज नॉट एंजॉय द रिंग माइंड माइंड इज रेस्टलेस एजुटेटेड हाउ कम बुद्धि नास्ति हाउ कम यू कैनोट है If my mind is restless, if the mind is agitated, if the mind is in purely such as likes, dislikes, etc., how come in such a mind buddhi or the abiding knowledge cannot take place? Why is it so? That is answered in the verse sixty-seven. <coughs> so the verse sixty-seven is looked upon as giving the hint or the reason for the verse, the theme of verse sixty-six. Indiyam hicharam. यनोन विधीय तदस्य हरति प्रज्ञा वायुर्नावसी इंद्रियाडियर बट देन इट इज प्रेजेंटेड हियर अगेन टू शो वाय वन कैन नॉट हैव एन अबाइडिंग नॉलेज एज लॉन्ग एज द माइंड इज नॉट अबाइडिंग इट इज नेसेसरी दैट माइंड शुड बी अबाइडिंग एंड देन अलोन द नॉलेज कैन बी अबाइडिंग this what we call sthita prajna a man of abiding knowledge naturally enjoys an abiding mind also indriyanam hicharatam himining yasmat because charatam indriyanam indriya meaning sense organs charatam charatam means those which are wandering about so when the sense organs which sense organs the sense organs of perception the ears the eyes you know and so forth so these organs of perception when they are charatam wandering swasva visheshu pravartamananam it is the nature of the sense organs to wander in those in their respective objects when we say sense organs we actually mean the mind only go sense organs really do not go out anywhere it is the mind that grunts out through the sense organs and wanders in the respective sense objects So now I may be dwelling upon some nice sound and music which I may want to listen to, or some very beautiful things like movies and shows which I may want to watch, or the mind may be dwelling upon some food etc. which it wants to enjoy, or whatever. So these are the organs of the various shabdas per sharu per sagandha. These are the various objects of the world and the mind that dwells. that is being said here that when the sense organs are wandering in their respective sense objects yan manah anudhiyate anupravartate the you see we know that the sense organs of perception are made up of or 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 are born of the sattva aspect of the five elements this was discussed in tattva bodha akasha vayu agni aapah prithvi these are five elements For the sattva aspect, the element akasha, the organ of perception of hearing, you know, the the ears, they are made. Sattva aspect of element vayu, the organ of perception of the, the faculty of touch. Sattva aspect of the element fire, the faculty of seeing. Sattva aspect of element water, the faculty of taste. Sattva aspect of element earth, the faculty of smell. So these organs of perception are made of the sattva aspect of the five organs, five elements. And how are the various objects of the world? 
Shabdasparsharup or Saganda, they are also made from the very same elements, but from the tamas aspect. So sound and touch and form, color, taste, smell that we experience are nothing but the objects made from the tamas aspect of the same five elements. And therefore, there is a natural affinity. Sense organs have natural affinity for sense objects, corresponding sense objects. The ears have a natural affinity with sound. Eyes have natural affinity with forms and colors. Tongue has a natural affinity for taste. And therefore, the sense organs will naturally be attracted towards the sense objects, which is okay. But then, if you permit your mind of yan manaha anuvidhiyade, tattat indriyavishayavikalpanena pravottam, then mind also dwells upon those very sense objects. That yes, the sense organs may be attracted towards the sense organs, objects. However, when the mind also runs after the sense, or- sense organs, and mind also starts wandering from in those sense objects, <coughs> then indriyam hichartam yanmanon vidhiyate tadasya harati pragnyam that that mind which is permitted to go after the sense organs and and wander into those respective sense objects, such an extrovert mind, such a wandering mind, what does it do? Tadasya haryatehe harati pragnyam. It takes away pragnya. Pragnya means wisdom. Atma anatma vivekajam pragnyam harati nashayati. Look at this. The mind which along with the sense organs, habitually wanders into the sense objects because of its fascination for the sense objects. Such a mind, what does it do? It even drops away or destroys the very wisdom, the very knowledge. Atma anatma vivekajam pragnyam. Even that knowledge born of the discrimination between the self and the non-self. So knowledge is in the intellect. Thus we recognize two faculties within ourselves. One is the knowing faculty, called the intellect. Other is the habitual faculty, called the mind. In this mind alone, various samskaras or impressions are there. In the mind alone, there are natural attractions and aversions. And therefore, that mind, the impulsive or the habitual faculty, runs into the sense objects through the passages of sense organs. And such a mind will pragnyam harati. It will even take away or destroy wisdom or the knowledge that we may have gained. <coughs> Katham, how does it do that? Question. Vayur navam iva ambasi. Vayuru navam iva ambasi udake. Jigamishatam margat udhrutya unmargayatha vayur navam pravardari. Evam. Just as vayu means the air, how the air also takes away or distracts a boat, a sailboat. So when a boat is sailing in the current of water and the strong current of wind, how that deviates or distracts that boat from its path. The boatman wants to take the boat on one way, in one direction. And how the strong current of wind actually deviates that boat from its path and takes it away elsewhere. Similarly also, this mind, like a strong current of wind, takes away the wisdom in the intellect. And, Atma Vishayam Pragnyam Hrutva 
manah vishaya vishayam kalpanam karoti. Suppose you are studying Bhagavad Gita, you are dwelling upon that. What does this mind do? That mind deviates or distracts or approves that mind, the intellect, which is now dwelling upon Vedanta and drags it and takes it to the respective sense objects. So, Vishaya Vishayam Kalpanam Karoti. Instead of thinking about Atmanatma Viveka, instead of thinking about Vedanta, I find myself thinking about various sense objects or various objects of my attachment and aversion. So this is what that habitual mind does. So it is necessary that we should have a set of sense organs which are disciplined. We should also have a mind which is also disciplined within our control. You cannot take these things for granted. Any mode of study, etc., will not really bless us if the mind does not enjoy the dispassion. We think that we can remain what we are. We can continue to do what we are, as far as the indulgence in life is concerned. And still be Vedantins. You can be Vedantin as far as repeating the verses are concerned. But then, as far as really benefiting from the knowledge is concerned, it definitely requires a mind which ha- enjoys the dispassion. So, what is stressed here is making the mind free from its fascination for the sense objects. And we have to work constantly. Virajya Vishavratat Dosha Drushtya Muhur Muhu Again and again you have to make the mind see the dosha or the defects involved is the sense pleasure. Arthasya Upanyastasya Arthasya Anikada Upapatti Muktva Tamcharsam Upapadhi Upasamharadi this very need for gaining a mastery of the mind, the very need for having our sense organs under the control, meaning by controlling we do not mean restraining them, but making free from that which distracts them. So Vedantins do not like restrainment of things because it is unnatural. What they wish is that the mind should naturally become abiding. The sense organs should naturally become abiding. And what is it that distracts the mind, which deviates the mind, which makes the sense organs run up to the sense object? It is this inherent attachments and aversions. It is those things which actually drag the mind away. So make the mind free from them and mind will be naturally abiding. So you can restrain the mind with an effort, which effort also is required. Damaha. So we require Shamaha and Damaha. Shamaha is mastery over the mind. Damaha is mastery over the sense organs. So it is going to take some time before we gain a mind which is abiding. In the meantime, we cannot permit the mind to indulge as it likes. We have to impose our values upon the mind. The values which have been derived from Viveka, from the discrimination. And we have to therefore restrain, if necessary, the sense organs in order to restrain the mind. So Dhamma also is required, but most important thing is Shamaha, is abidance of the mind. And therefore Lord Krishna essentially makes one point in all these verses, that wise man is the one who enjoys an abiding mind, enjoys a mind which is at control. And the illustration was given, Yada samharate chayam kurmungani vasarvasha. Indriyana Indriyarthe Bihe Tasya Pragnya Pratishtida 
just as a tortoise is able to withdraw at will its organs. So also the one who is able to withdraw the sense organs from the sense objects at will, tasya prajna pratishtada, he can gain what we call pratishtha prajna, meaning he can gain an abiding knowledge. So this theme, Upasamharati, having given various reasonings, Lord Krishna now having established the idea that now the discussion is concluded in verse 68. Tasmad yasya mahabaho nigrihitani sarvasaha indriyani indriyase viha tasya pranya pratishthira. Tasmad, therefore, mahabaho, Arjuna is addressed here as mahabaho. Mahabaho means one having long and powerful arms. So Arjuna was a great warrior, having very powerful arms and long arms, meaning a very strong person. So some commentators see here a significance in the Lord's addressing Arjuna as Mahabahu, as the one with long or strong arms. Just as a person with a strong arm can conquer the enemies and can gain the kingdom, so here Arjuna may you now apply your strength in conquering this enemy. So Bhagavad Gita really motivates Arjuna, Lord Krishna in Bhagavad Gita motivates Arjuna really to conquer this enemy. The external enemies are really incidental. The real enemies, these are internal enemies. So, Kamayesha, Krodesha, Rajoguna Samudvaha, Mahasano Mahapapma, Vidhyanami Vairanam. So this karma and krodha is considered to be the passion and anger. They are identified as the enemy. Vidhyanamhi vairanam. We know this as far as the shayo marga is concerned. For the one who wants the well-being of oneself, for him it is enemy. For other people it may not be. Some people say, Swamiji, if you don't have this desire, then how can you make progress? So it depends on what you mean by progress. What kind of progress you want to make? There is has to be desire. But desire for knowledge, of course. When we say desire, it is only desire for uh, the external pleasures. That's what the mind is to make free from. And so the Lord says, Tasma, He Mahabaho, Arjuna, you may you exercise your strength in conquering this enemy. Yasya Indriyani Indriyarthebhya Sarvashaha Nigrahitani Tasya Prajna Pratishthita. Yasya Yasya yate hai. This yati, yati means one who is striving. Yati means yatna shilaha, one who is striving. For a seeker of knowledge, who is striving for him? Sarvashaha, sarvaprakarahi, manasadhihedehi, in every way. It is not only enough that we have control over one or two organs. We have ten of them. And even one in organ, suppose one organ is simply out of control, even that itself is quite enough to drag the mind away. And therefore, then what to talk of ten sense organs? As Shankaracharya gives an example in Viveka Chudamani. He says these creatures, which have only one sense organ of perception, which is predominant, Shabdavibhi, so gives Kuranga, Matanga, Patanga, Meena, Bhangaha. 
So Shankaracharya quotes the illustration of five animals or five creatures. Kuranga meaning a, a deer. Matanga an elephant. Patanga a moth. Meena a fish. And Bhunga a honeybee. So these creatures have only one organ of perception very strong. Deer is supposed to have a strong perception. Faculty of perception is a reference to sound. It just loves sound itself. Elephant loves touch. And this moth loves form, the color. And the, the fish has a predominant faculty of eating. And the bhunga, the honeybee, the predominant faculty of smell. So they are exploited. The, these attraction that they have, fascination that they have with one, reference to one organ of perception even becomes the cause of their death. Then what to talk of man who has all the five organs of perception very strong and thus thereby only telling us the need for gaining a uh, making the mind free from these fascinations. <coughs> so Sarvashaha Sarvaprakarali Manasad Bhedehi and therefore sense organs along with the mind when Indriyani, Indriyarsebhya, Sarvashaha, Nigrihitani For this jati or for the seeker When all the sense organs are Nigrihitani Are withdrawn or restrained from the respective sense objects Tasya Pragnya Pratishthita Tasya, for that person Pragnya Pratishthita Then that person gains an abiding knowledge It is not merely by control of the sense organs of the mind That one gains abiding knowledge One can gain knowledge only by Shastra by Shastra Vichara, that's the only means. But then, when is Vichara possible? Only when the mind is available. So an abiding mind is required even for Vichara, an abiding mind is required for abidance of knowledge. So in all these verses, Lord Krishna emphasized the need for a control over one's mind, meaning mastery over one's mind, and a control over one's sense organs. Then alone, it, one can gain, when the knowledge in oneself can abide. <coughs>